in episode 161 of Friends in Film, where you bring the latest movie news and a view of the biggest new release, which this week is The Lego Movie 2, the second part. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, and this week I'm joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everybody. Hello, Cooper. Hey. Glad to be back. How are you? I'm doing great. How awesome. are you? Awesome. Fantastic. I don't have any like random tweet thing, nonsense to oh. talk about this morning. No so I'm nonsense. So sorry. That's okay. But can we go to you for nonsense for today? nonsense news and nonsense? I don't know if I have any. Not I did. Well, hopefully wait. you saw. I did like a supercut kind of, uh, or a a yeah. I guess you call it supercut of the Avengers Endgame trailers yes. slash footage that has been out there so mm-hmm. far. So uh, that is on the Twitter. Uh, on my Twitter, the Friends and Film account retweeted it. So go check that out. That's right. Today's our first time back after the Super Bowl. That's which correct. Which actually feels like an infinity ago for some reason. It's been a week. Yes. Does it feel like it's been a week though? It it it, it this it feels longer than normal, but not longer than the actual Super Bowl because that game was a slog. Oh my gosh. So boy. Yeah, we set the record for most punting yards or something. No, no, <laughs> probably the. the the Rams punter set the record for longest punt in the Super Bowl. It was the <laughs> lowest scoring Super Bowl in NFL history. Ten points? Uh, there were 16 total points. Yeah, that's nuts. Oh, yep. that's right, because the Rams did get a second field goal. No, they missed their second field goal. They missed their second field goal. They, the Patriots, the Patriots got, got another, another one. field goal. Yeah, to basically put the game there away. There we go. Yep, it was ridiculous. Not good at all. Halftime show wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about the trailers later on. And they weren't even really that special either. So. No, it was really low-key yeah, all so. the way through. But um, if you were on Twitter during the Super Bowl, you'll notice that I wasn't tweeting him really much because <laughs> I didn't care that much. But if you were on Twitter and looking for tweets about the Super Bowl trailers, Cooper was all over those. Thank you. And you could have found those on Twitter at Friends in Film. And also on there, you'll get all the latest updates on news that we're looking at as well as our episodes. But if you're looking for episodes just those, you can get those on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever your podcast can be found. But if you can, on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. That will ultimately help rank us, and then we can find more friends of the show. Yeah. So other than the Super Bowl and other than the Lego Movie 2, have you been watching anything this week? Any any one thing you really want to call out here? Any one thing I really want to call out here. Okay, yeah. Well, I talked to you a little bit ago about High Flying Bird. Uh-huh. Um, just other than say, go watch it. I think it's interesting and good and fun mm-hmm. to watch. But I want to talk about Mr. Nobody. Okay. It stars Jared Leto, and that's the only person I really <laughs> remember um, being cast in this movie. I really should have pulled up more details on it. But it is so hard to follow. From beginning to end, I was never sure exactly what was going on. He's the last person that's going to die on the planet because they've somehow solved death in the future. In like 2009, like of all (laughs) all years. Um, But it's like made in 2000, so there's some extremely long leaps that they're making. But the narrative is so convoluted and there's no clear resolution all in it. You're sort of just watching these fragments of Jared Leto's life from like birth to death, but also all different possible avenues that he could have gone down and lived with like a what if scenario uh-huh. that I just don't know how something like this could have gotten <laughs> made. It was like watching Donnie Darko, but instead of Jake Gyllenhaal, it's Jared Leto who's not wearing a shirt like half the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> just just absolutely nuts. The man's eyes have always been piercing blue, though. So I get the appeal of casting him. 
But how about you? Uh, I watched uh, several things this mm-hmm. week, but the one I'm going to talk about is uh, in honor of really nothing. Okay. Because I'm just trying to figure out. But I'm going to talk about American Animals. There's oh. a movie that came out last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen it? No, I haven't. But I remember being like, this looks really good. It looks like a like fun, teenagery heist movie. Yeah. So it, that is basically what it is. It's about these group of kids who... Uh, they're all in college. They're all just kind of just going through life, don't really care about anything. Mm-hmm. And then they get the idea, hey, let's go steal these really rare and expensive books from the library and sell them. And it's about the heist. But then uh, Bart Layton, the director, intercuts the actual movie with actual interviews with the real life people mm-hmm. talking about the events. And it's a really interesting movie it's it's completely it's a different heist movie than i think i've ever seen before because of that element of getting the actual people talking about it as we're seeing the movie version of it but then also hearing different accounts of everything happening mm-hmm. gives Layton the opportunity to do something some really fun things of talking about how like oh i remember he mentioned this when we were here and then the cut to the other interviews oh i remember he <laughs> mentioned it when we were here so it's like they don't even know their, their stories don't line up of who mm-hmm. came up with the idea or where they were or what these people, certain people look like. Yeah. And it just creates this very interesting, unreliable narrative kind of throughout the whole thing, which I found really fun and appealing. It sounds like I remember that time when, and you were like, like, no, 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 bro. I remember when it happened. Like, is that kind of yeah, like the- Yeah, basically. The, the, my guy, Blake Jenner, is in there as well, right. and he is very good. Um, and even, uh, uh, what's the other guy's name? Some Kenneth- Leon or something, uh, the guy from Dunkirk, uh, oh. Barry Keoghan. There Keoghan? you go, Keoghan? That sounds right. Yeah, I think uh, They were all they were all great, and in, including the fourth guy, Jared Abrahamson. So I uh, I had to. It's not available to stream anywhere, but it's available to buy on Amazon Prime for like three dollars or four dollars. So buy, not rent. So I was like, I've heard great things about it. Mm-hmm. I'll buy it. And after like letting it sit in my prime queue for like three weeks, I finally got around to watching it. Really enjoyed it. And uh, go check it out. Fantastic. I think it may be Barry Keegan, but the Barry O Keegan? is silent. That probably, that sounds better. Yeah. So we'll go with that. And then, yeah. So <laughs> then like Keegan? <laughs> yeah. Because like, I want to like be like Genghis Khan because I see it like that, but that's not at all probably right no it's not he's american so uh <laughs> but let's move on to the lego movie two that's the second why we're part here. Now, this is why we're here that's what we're here to review uh and i saw this movie several weeks ago so it's not totally fresh in my brain anymore obviously mm-hmm. i didn't go back to the theater to rewatch it because there's just other things to see i went and saw the kid would be king the joe cornish movie that was delightful go support joe cornish because he's great um but my review's up on the site from the film.wordpress.com, uh, which I say is still awesome. This franchise is still awesome with the Lego Movie 2. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. The comedy is great. The animation is still rock solid. Um, but the part that really got me is the story behind it with uh, how the real world brother and sister relationship is has changed Bricksburg and this universe, but then also changed the characters and what that means for the that to be 
just spot on and as, as an older brother, but also a, a younger brother of <laughs> getting to see how you annoy them, but then they can annoy you. That part of the movie is played so, you know, the younger siblings may want to always, they're always looking up to you and like all that real world stuff just really hit home for me and really felt like they knew what they were doing with this movie. So uh, hats off to director Mike Mitchell, but then also Phil Lord and Chris Miller still very heavily involved creatively. Um, and even more so after, you know, leaving solo they mm-hmm. had more time yes. and helped uh you know spruce this thing up a little bit more but uh the story's great uh batman's really fun in this movie uh tiffany haddish as queen whatever wannabe yes. uh, is super fun she probably steals the movie uh i think it maybe takes a little bit too long to get going because mm-hmm. it starts with the how the first movie ends and then it jumps forward then you got to readjust to this apocalypseburg version of the story but then also i was a little disappointed by some of the background characters not getting as media roles as i kind of would have liked because they kind of throw you know unikitty and benny and metal beard kind of just off to the side and they don't really do much and that was kind of unfortunate um especially since i think the first lego movie does a really good job of balancing all those characters and giving them all times to shine mm-hmm. i don't think that's necessarily the case here but other than that, uh, this movie is really, really fun. It's really enjoyable. I think it's something that the whole family would go see and go and enjoy. So uh, if you haven't already, go see Lego Movie 2. Uh, I'll give it four ticket stubs out of five. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I can agree with you a lot. Like, this is still a fantastic franchise from Warner Brothers, from Lord and Miller, and from the, like, murder's row of voice cast that they mm-hmm. have in this. Um, ben Schwartz's Banana Nara. <laughs> yeah. Like the psycho- like psychotic banana, I guess, would be the best way to describe him. Um, like just had me like, you know, sh- shaking my seats because it was mm-hmm. just that funny for me. And you can go all the way down the list of just everyone that they kind of like stick in there um, from cameos that you'll just be like, oh, that's kind of funny to mm-hmm. cameo here, but also still like delightfully yeah. funny um, in so many ways. And I guess we'll jump on those in like later. Mm-hmm. But um, the live action element, the, you know, um, the play between the, the play time between the brother and sister. Mm-hmm. I can't think of the kid's name other than uh, it is Finn and Bianca. Thank you. Um, but, the sister to Finn is played by Brooklyn Prince, mm-hmm. who is fantastic in Florida Project, and was I was just utterly delighted to see yeah, I had get no idea. those. Yeah, me too. Get those live action, um, you know, moments, uh, and that whole dynamic, like you were saying, of like playtime between like a brother and sister with wildly different styles, mm-hmm. is the I think the best part of this movie, and it's where it strikes home um, the most. Where it gets kind of off track is basically like the meat of the plot in Lego <laughs> Movie 2. Or like in this like part with basically Emmett's journey to go find his friends and everything like that. Um, and especially when um, Rex Danger Vest like yes. enters the thing and there's elements that kind of drop in there. But no, everyone from Stephanie Beatrice's um, Sweet Mem- Mayhem, General Mayhem. General Mayhem, yeah. Yes. All the way down to um, Allison Breeze, Unikitty, and like you said, Tiffany Haddish's scene stealing. Um Queen, whatever, Robbie, Mobby, whatever. Uh, Shoot. Queen, whatever, uh, Wanabi. Thank you. Yes. Um, are all delightful renditions. Like, they're just juggling so many characters now that are fun and expressive that you're like, ah, but I kind of like love Nick Offerman's um, mm-hmm. Captain Metalbeard. Or you're kind of left wanting more at those yeah. moments. But all in all, I mean, like, Will Arnett's, of course. And then you like, watch with all of its cast that I feel like it's not. Delivering as much of a pun. Wow factor wasn't 
one-upped or amped up at all. So I'm going to give it three and a half ticket stubs. Okay. On Lego mm-hmm. Movie 2, even though, I mean, there is some spoiler stuff in terms of the plot that we can talk about, but yeah. before we get there, sure, I just want to mention my favorite cameo. Oh, yes. Bruce Willis. Yes. <laughs> as Die Hard. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, so good. And it's, I was just like, how did, like, what, Die Hard in the Lego Movie, like, this isn't, like, the audience, the demographics do not cross. Right. But it was so great, especially when they're like crawling around in the in the air ducts, and mm-hmm. then like he's just like <laughs> just, hanging out, and they're like, like, "What's up?" He's like, "Uh, I'm not just like up here." Like, yes. <laughs> they're like, "Wait, do you live up here?" <laughs> it's just it's so good, and I was just like I was so pleasantly surprised to see you know Bruce Willis pop up in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- the uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm-hmm. I mean, like not really like anything big or like it's does long. She, does she talk? No, doesn't speak. It's just. Her. Yeah, they're just like right there. I was like, "What? That's a random Lego mm-hmm. character like to drop in here." Um, but that that was absolutely perfect. But also, Jason Momoa's yeah. Aquaman. He was so good. Yes, like Aquaman didn't have front billing or they didn't have a reason to front bill him for any of these movies, and then sliding him his his Aquaman in mm-hmm. there was excellent. So that was like I think that was probably my most delightful one. Yeah, I mean, I still love you know Channing Tatum as Superman mm-hmm. and Jonah Hill's Green Lantern. <laughs> yes. Their back and forth is still just so good. Um, and maybe, I mean, it kind of leaves it up in the air that all of the Justice League characters are out there mm-hmm. somewhere. We don't know where they are. They're lost. Uh, so maybe they're setting the seeds for Batman 2, teaming up with Superman and yeah. Green Lantern and Aquaman. They go find An intergalactic everybody. adventure for the Justice yeah. League. Yeah, that'd be oh, so, that'd be whatever great. Whatever the case is. Um, so yeah, all of these cameras. Think, are we missing any other other really I mean, good ones? Um, Jimmy O Yang, I found out was the enthusiastic zebra, oh, or the okay. zebra guy, and that was perfect. <laughs> like, like it's just a, there's a slew of people that was like, I love you, mm-hmm. and you're getting to like voice some character that can be as is crazy or as fun as that person is in real life. Right, and I think that's like the joy of all of these. But I mean, yeah. So let's talk. I mean, what. Is there any plot point specifically you want to touch on? Specifically, Emmett's, you know, deal with Rex Danger Vest. The the big twist of the The movie. The big twist of the movie where I'm feeling like, eh, we didn't really need this. But then again, like, we needed, you needed some kind of turn in the Uh the fourth act, I suppose, to where, because last time around it was, oh, these are Legos being played with by people. Mm -hmm. And here it's just Emmett's um, adventuring buddy. Uh, Rex Danger Vest is the future version of himself. Yes. After he gets kicked underneath of the le- left underneath the dryer, mm-hmm. like which hardens and steals <laughs> him up, <laughs> and then makes him want to time travel back to Apocalypseburg. Sorry, Apocalypseburg. Apocalypseburg. Thank you. And basically set all of those events in motion. Yes. And that where I was like, uh, like I kind of like kind of like roll my eyes at that moment. But the, the, I was still having as much fun. So I was like, okay, they can do whatever. It's Legos. Yeah. It's kind of, it's that weird thing where it's just like, oh, man, like, I don't think we need a time travel element in here. Like, mm-hmm. I'm still not even sure how it really totally works. Yeah. Like, time travel is so tricky in movies that it's just like, man, I, it, yeah. it's, it's, I don't know how <laughs> this works in terms of the, they were playing and then he traveled back in time to save himself. And Yeah. Uh, I mean, it doesn't need to make sense, right. I guess. But I'm just kind of like, oh, he could just be like a lego who got kicked underneath there we don't have to like you know corrupt emmett that yes in our perception of him as emmett rather than just you kind of excuse it but it was just kind of like ugh. i just felt like it was almost more for me to like try to like 
remember or right appreciate when rather we're just having whimsical fun and like i, I don't know if it wasn't like like overly obvious that like oh rex dangerous is the bad guy but mm-hmm. it's just like all right like they're either good they're either doing the which i love the queen would ever want to be like we're not the bad guys song yeah i was like that this is so good because <laughs> either she is the bad guy mm-hmm. and it's just like the most like over the top no trust us thing, right. or it's like literally like and we find out it is really just them saying no like mm-hmm. we want you to trust us They're like you guys did not communicate that well at all <laughs> yes. and but it's yeah, like it's like they're <laughs> trying to make peace the entire way through which is like a perfect like out to like the brother sister uh-huh. relationship where it's sort of like i want to play with you too so i steal your stuff yeah like that's the implication they're making and yeah, <laughs> yeah that's like you were saying the 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 ju- like the yeah, the hilarious did not go well no. at all. <laughs> it's like they're like hypnotizing them with glitter and like it's just it's kind of ridiculous but it like, oh i mean you can only view it that way right uh and like i was just maybe a little disappointed that they went like the evil rex danger vest route because like i kind of like i mean I, I think this message still becomes uh is able to come across in the movie but like they're they're pretty much dealing with the idea that like you know the first movie in this franchise was about like, Oh, Emmett, you're, you're the special, but really mm-hmm. anybody can be like the special. Anybody can be a master builder, like whatever. You can just be the, be the best you are. This one is more just like you can, every, everybody can be special, but also don't like lose sight of who you are. Like be true to yourself. Like mm-hmm. Emmett is basically trying to change himself to become more mature and more like a man. So wild, so style, wild style will appreciate him. Will like love him. And then he, he starts making those changes and then she realizes, Oh not So, I think that maybe they try to use that twist of like, oh, Rex Dangervest, the bad guy, to show like, oh no, like Emmett, if you become this other version that you aren't, you're that way. Um, oh. But like, I don't, I don't think they needed to go that full route. Like he could have just had a moment of realization of like, listen, I'm just not, I'm not mm-hmm. that guy. I'm not the tough guy. I'm not a Velociraptor trainer. I'm not a, right. you know, whatever. All of the various jobs that Rex Dangervest has had, like that's not him. Mm-hmm. And then he just learns to accept that and everybody moves forward. But. I just feel like the time travel elements with making Rex the bad guy just complicate things too much for me. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, but you know what wasn't complicated and was my favorite part of the entire movie? No, I don't. The man of bats and his marriage to Queen whatever, no, Wanabi. Yes. That entire plot line was in so insanely perfect. Like, you... you you're left wanting more Batman mm-hmm. in this movie, and he's in it a fair amount. Yes, but then you're then the, you're like, why do I still want more? It's because the entire plot line of him becoming, I guess, so- softened a little bit, I suppose, and then a little bit jaded, mm-hmm. and then just entirely like flipping his whole persona on its head <laughs> through that marriage part. Um, is exactly what I needed to see from Batman. I don't know how it'll play into Batman Lego Two or whatever the case is, but <laughs> I mean, I thought like the perfect the Queen would ever want to be uh, song basically tricking Batman into wanting to marry her mm-hmm. was so good. The song the song itself was great, and Tiffany Haddish like I was I didn't know she could really like like it's not like this impressive like uh, like Grammy like award you know worthy you know vocals or anything that she has but like she gets the job done Mm -hmm. and uh, i thought that was a really funny song to just kind of like basically trick batman be like 
oh no like no you can't go marry superman no i'm the best no i, I want to do it i want to marry you right. it's just like it's like i loved using the superman complex mm. of this whole thing to get batman to do what they wanted uh that was just so genius yeah it's the perfect it's, a, it's another one of those perfect like bite back elements from what you can you know of from batman versus superman mm-hmm. or anything like that but yeah um gotham city i don't know the name of the song but whatever but yeah perfect i i am there were a lot more songs yes this This was basically a musical Mm -hmm. i think there's like four or five i think in the main Mm -hmm. movie i mean there's the the new get stuck in your head song there's a catchy song yeah the catchy song there's the uh, we're not the bad guys song there's the you know batman wants you to you know marry us basically song uh what is that called there's i I know there's other ones but oh there's the like hypnotized song which or is that the same one as the catchy song I think that is the catchy song. Okay, I think I think that's right. But either way, they're all they're all in there. I mean, I don't think any of them are as good as Everything Is Awesome. No, and I think you can kind of apply that to this movie overall. Like the jokes, really funny. The characters, really good. The uh, the real world uh, interactions, really good. The song, really good. But it's all just not quite as good as the first Lego Movie. It's not tied together as well as the first. And I, yeah. I just wonder if that's because it's a sequel or because it's not the first time we're mm-hmm. seeing it or uh, or seeing this world. Or if, so like, it's it not just... as new and we kind of know the elements that make a Lego movie for the uh, first time. Yeah, I also know? wonder if it just like maybe went through like too many changes potentially. Because like, I mean, Phil Lauren Christmas had an idea for this obviously before, but then after they got dropped from Solo, like they've kind of said, and there's reports out there that like, you know, that free time let them go be more involved with Spider-Verse, which obviously worked out amazingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also here and change some things and fine tune. So, so I don't know if like, I wonder how much of this is like, like there, there are some of those jokes that feel just like inserted into the movie, like after the scene comes and mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I feel like that has to be like, Oh, we need, we need one more punch right, right here. We need another joke. And so we're just going to insert that real quick. And so I, I don't know if that's part of the problem where it's not problem. Cause this movie is great. This movie is super fun. Yeah. Um, just those, unbalanced elements that make you feel like oh, something's different here yeah or off kilter but so, still as enjoyable as ever i mean where does this rank for you in terms of the lego movies as a whole the, actually oh sorry before, yes. before we get there you mentioned the lego batman movie mm-hmm. i'm unclear how that fits into this oh yeah i have no idea it's probably just like canically <laughs> not non-can it's not lego movie canon i think which like i mean they make one small joke of like I don't know if this was a commentary on Batman being with Superman, Batman with Superman, or Batman with the, being the Justice League, mm-hmm. or Batman being, uh, be like being with people in his Lego movie, where he, where Batman like makes a joke of like, uh, you know, oh, I'm all by myself because that's how you guys like it, and, <laughs> or he was, and then he like also makes a really funny joke. I thought where he was just like, uh, you know. Oh, you know, there's like nine different Batman movies in development or whatever. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that was pretty funny. But like, I'm just, because there was an earlier interview, I don't remember who, I think it was with Lord and Miller, where they said the, that the Lego movie would, would, or the Lego Batman movie would factor into Lego movie too. And I'm just, mm-hmm. I don't see how that's true. No, I which, did not see any connective tissue there. Which, which is, which is fine. Right. I mean, I don't, I mean, they're still enjoyable both separately. Like, I don't need 
continuity or whatever. Right. It's not like this like this isn't like a shared universe built on canon like, you know, the MC or something. Right. So it's like then Jago doesn't even I don't think take place in the same universe as these other three movies. I mean, they maybe they do or maybe they don't, but it's like the idea is just like it's playtime. Here's this here's what's happening here or whatever the case is. You know right. what I mean? So that, that that that's the continuity. I mean, I, suppose. It, I guess the only thing could be like you know, since there's a five year gap between the Duplo invasion initially and then mm-hmm. Apocalypseburg as we see it, where maybe the Duplos invade, they they you know, really take down Bricksburg, and then Batman's like, all right, peace out, I'm going to Gotham City, mm-hmm. and then he just like chills out there for a little while. Hmm. And then Possibly. he then he comes back to the apocalypse. Apocalypse? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a child's imagination. It's a child's story. They can change whatever they want. So, for sure. Uh, it's kind of a ultimate cheat code where you can be like, eh, exactly. the child's making this yeah. up. Yeah, we have no, yeah, exactly. We're not in control. Right. So back to my previous question. Mm-hmm. Ranking the Lego movies. Yes. What, what, what would it be? Lego movie, Lego Batman, Lego 2, Ninjago. From, from top to bottom. From obviously. top to bottom. I yes. agree. Okay, sweet. Um, and to answer the question you haven't asked. Oh. Will you watch it again? Absolutely watch this again. In theaters, or is it going to be like, oh, wait and get it on? Wait and get it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I was kind of like, eh, should I go see it again before we do the review? Eh. Nah, I think I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Like, like, really enjoyable, but it's not like a movie I'm rushing to, you know, go back and check out. Yeah. But one of the things, though, is like, and don't, don't get me wrong or take this out of context, though. Like, my favorite part, though, this movie came when the credits rolled. And that's not because I was glad it was over though. It was because the Lonely Island and Beck um scored the credits with their song Super Cool, mm-hmm. which was an absolute joy to discover um at the end. Yeah. And so uh it, it's insanely catchy and maybe it would probably be one of the outro music's here. I don't know. Maybe. But um that was also a huge delight to have happen oh and also uh i love the addition of my rudolph as oh, the mom yes oh and of course they had to yeah because rex <laughs> yes. they had to stop our, our mom again our, our mom again okay i couldn't <laughs> yes. i couldn't remember what it was called after i saw it it's like like i wanted to mention my review but i was like i don't like i know it's like armageddon but it's like mm-hmm. but i know there's a mom pun in there as well and i was yes. like yes our momageddon I was right. like, oh, that's not what it was because if they don't make peace or, or the, the brother and sister don't make peace the, the mom's gonna like take the legos away right. and put them in the store yes which <laughs> I, at first i thought when they were when they were mentioning what is it our momageddon mm-hmm. uh, i thought it was going to be something where like they were getting like a divorce or something and that's why the kids were right. being like or stepmom and, like right. that's who the sister was was actually like the but then again it doesn't fit with the continuity but right. like in the moment i was like oh they're getting married will ferrell and maya rudolph and when our mom again happens is they get a stepmom or something like that. right i thought it was going i guess the opposite route of being split apart because that's why the, the girl would want the wedding to unite them but mm-hmm. then i was just like oh but then if they're if they don't get along like do this do they think that like them not getting along is forcing the parents to get they're gonna to feel split apart guilty for it. and it's not that's not how they went and that's that's totally fine yeah I, think I like i like ultimately the lessons that they're that they're playing with here just like mm-hmm. hey just like you know be yourself have fun with your siblings like be nice to them like yeah. you know that kind of stuff um we'll get a we'll get a gritty reboot where right. they're playing with legos and they, because they don't play right the kids are gonna feel like central dread because they was the reason his parents divorced or something like yeah. that they'll be like oh timmy no it's not it's because your dad cheated on your mom that's all <laughs> oh okay well, and that, then the lego yeah. movie ends yeah, it's been safe for lego movie three <laughs> 
Lego Movie 3. The kids are teenagers now, mm-hmm. <laughs> still playing with Legos. And they, <laughs> yes, but now they have to learn some serious life lessons. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'd be interested to see where this goes. And it's, it's not looking to do great at the box office. Like It's going to open less than half of what the first movie would open to, which I think is just a product of Warner Brothers probably putting the cart before the horse here and seeing the success of the Lego Movie made almost $500 million worldwide. And then two years after that, mm-hmm. they put two Lego movies out in the same year. And now the year after they put, uh, or the two, uh, two years after that, then they put another one out. So I think they just put too many Lego movies out too quickly. And uh, I don't think the quality of Ninjago helped things either. But no. Oh, well. I mean, we'll probably get more, hopefully. Fingers crossed. I think so. I mean, Lord and Miller are on fire. So anytime yeah. they have a script for anything or be like, or say they'll produce it. I think you're pretty much guaranteed to get it made, at least at Warner Brothers. So we'll see a third one to wrap it up, but I think that'll be like five years away without yeah. anything in between, other than maybe a Lego Batman. I think they're. I think Warner Brothers and Sony are actually in a potential bidding war for a Lord and Miller like uh, mm. apocalypse robot movie that I think it's supposed to be animated, where it's it's a flip on the usual like, oh, the person finds this robot. It's where robots rule the world and humanity has been extinct for 30 years or something and then a teenage robot finds a teenage girl and then like they go on some wild adventure together what yeah so it sounds it sounds awesome nuts but so hopefully we'll find out more about that soon yes uh but in the meantime that's all we have for the lego movie 2 we both obviously recommend it four ticket stubs for me three and a half ticket stubs for josh and we're back a bit with the news And we're back with the news, and as well as we'll start with our three main topics this week, starting with an Avengers Endgame story, because we're like two months away now mm-hmm. from that movie in theaters. I cannot wait. Unbelievably close, yet like it hasn't jumped into the zeitgeist right. yet. Uh, we're still, I guess we're still, we're still probably closer to three months and two months, but still, it's, we're getting there. It's closer than when we learned the title of it. That's true, and that felt like forever. So now. I don't know. It's it's basically upon us. That's what I would say. We are ten weeks away. Oh man, see, that's so, nuts. Two and a half months. We're we're gonna be there, and when we go check it out in theaters, it may just be three hours long. Uh, so the Rooster Brothers were talking to Collider this week uh, about the VFX on Infinity War, but then they also talked about Avengers Endgame a little bit. And the interviewer uh, asked the Russos if it is still true that the movie was you know, coming in around three hours and they were like, yep. And we've tested it four times and everything's been going great with a three hour runtime. So they've saying that Marvel and Disney are supportive of this, that they just want whatever's best for the story. That doesn't suck. We're going to get a BVS situation in here where mm-hmm. the Russo's were going to turn it in two weeks before the premiere and say, all right, here you go. Disney, we're done three hours. And they're gonna be like, uh, no, you need to cut half hour of this movie. <laughs> like, well, that sucks. So, it seems like there's a very real possibility that Avengers Endgame will be three hours long. Josh, is that a good move? 
if yeah, yeah. you're hesitant i'm hesitant <laughs> i honestly listen um my favorite thing about movies a lot of the times is they can happen so fast and you can feel like you got so much i love 90 minute movies there's no there's not a, a bigger jo- greater joy to me than seeing that a runtime falls under 2 hours if it's at 90 minutes i'm in love with it already before i even <laughs> see it but I give franchise movies some leeway here. Mm-hmm. You mean you love Blade Runner 2049? I love Blade Runner 2049, and that pushes my limits at two hours and 51 minutes. Something like two that. Two hours and 46 minutes. Um, however, th- it's not just going to be three hours. It's like 315 is like the, like, we're guesstimating, we're hearing what it would a- that would be. Correct? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I mean, that's what I like. The way the Roosters responded to it, they're like, when the interviewer's like, so is it true that it's still around three hours? They kind of look at each other like, eh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's around three hours. And to me, I don't think they would say it's around three hours if it was under three hours. Right. Because then that, because at this point, just saying it's a three hour movie, I think it's setting up some certain expectations of just the, the epicness of it and the mm-hmm. scope, um, which I think, which would still be true if the movie comes in at two fifty nine or three hours and one minute. But to me, it just reads more of just like a, this is going to be a really long movie and three hours and 15 minutes. I think it could be closer to that than it would be, you know, three hours, whether it's under or just above. Yeah. You are going to have to have had created a movie that I will put in my top five movies of my lifetime to make me not feel like I have to, to not feel uneasy or wary about paying attention mm-hmm. to this. So my my gut reaction is it better be really, really good if you're going to sit me down for three hours and plus, mm-hmm. possibly. Did, like, so it, it's mainly just a uh, concern about, like, pacing and if it really has enough to warrant three hours at this point? That, but also exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean... I, if, I, if this is going to be as emotionally eviscerating as they seem to be, you know, teasing and messing with us in the marketing already. Yeah. I don't know if I can take three hours and 15 minutes. Three hours. Yeah. Three hours. Call three. Yes. Three hours. And then ex- still be expected to be like, oh, wow. No, I'm so sad. This is what's happening <laughs> or whatever the case is, you know, because even Lord of the Rings, one of my favorite franchises, when mm-hmm. you get to return to the king, you are just so exhausted that... When Frodo's getting on the ship, you're not sad. You're like, just get the heck out of here, Frodo. I'm ready to leave the theater. Like that, the emotion is wasted when you get to that point. Because, I mean, we have attention spans. And we have the worst attention spans of like all time now, I think. Yeah. I don't know. So, you ho- yes, that's where I'm landing. I am very wary of it. I mean, I think I think that's fair. I think... The well is the movie gonna is it is it too long is it too short? Uh, th- I don't think there's ever one right answer. Like oh, all three hour movies suck. All three hour movies are great. Mm-hmm. It's does the story have enough to maintain that? And I think uh, at least for me, Infinity War is like two thirty, two forty or something. And for me, that movie flies by. It feels like a movie that's under two hours long because there is so much going on that you're spending five to ten minutes with a certain storyline and then you're cutting and spending five to ten minutes with another storyline and there's like six different storylines going mm-hmm. on. So that storyline always feels like it's moving really quickly and then you jump to the next one and that's still moving really quickly. And so I think that could be the case with Endgame 
because they potentially will have, you know, uh, time travel element to it, and we could be jumping all over time and space and doing all these different things. Um, and I think it's interesting that you mentioned uh, the third Lord of the Rings movie as a well, like by the time the movie ends, you're kind of ready for it to be be over, ready yes. to get out of there. And I wonder if that's a more of a product of the twelve endings that that movie has that a, a lot of people have problems with. And that's been something that has been discussed recently with Endgame. It's like, how is this movie going to end? Like, Ultra epilogue Right. Like, is this movie going to end with, like, the victory or here's the funerals of all the Avengers and, like, that's it? There's no post-credit scene? Like, it just ends and we're done. Or it does it – there was an article, I think it was with uh, THR this past week, where they proposed that, you know, in a lot of comic storylines, the final chapter of it, like, that final issue – is like half the issue is the concluding that storyline, but then the the last like ten pages is all set up for or like wrapping up stuff. So it's like, oh mm-hmm. well, after Tony Stark's funeral, here's Spider Man getting ready for uh you know a trip across seas or whatever. So like yeah. you're setting up Spider Man from home, or you're setting up stuff for Captain Marvel or Guardians Three, or uh, you're setting up storylines for the next phase of MCU movies. And I don't really I don't want that to be the case. Like mm-hmm. I want Endgame to end with whatever it is, whether it's, you know, the Avengers all dying to mm-hmm. you know reverse time and then it's their funerals, or if it's, you know, Thanos being sent away or the infinity stones being destroyed, whatever the ending may be for this movie, I want it to end. And then just like, let us re- just sit there. Yeah. Sit um, through the credits, be this great, you know, uh, you know, montage of events and celebration of 10 years or 11 years now of the MCU and just letting us sit back and reflect on everything that happened in a possible three hour movie, but also, you know, the last 11 years of film and don't tease. I don't really need teases of the future. I think we're probably going to get one because I just, it doesn't seem likely that we won't, mm-hmm. but like, I feel like it would sit better for me. And I mean, it could all depend again on execution, but I would love a three-hour movie to begin with like if, if that is what it takes to get the story done because after Infinity War, after 11 years of build-up, you can't mess this one up. So if this movie has to be three hours long, if it has to be four hours long, if it has to be 24 hours long, you have you have to do for this movie what it needs to be. So I'm on board for whatever the Russos and Marvel believe is necessary. And I don't think... There's no way that they would just make the th- three hours just to be like, you know, show, hey, we're Marvel, we can do a three-hour movie. Mm-hmm. Because if it's three hours long, we're talking about less showtimes in a theater on any given day because there's less theaters, there's less showtimes possible. Um, so they'd be potentially costing themselves money in that process. And if Disney and Marvel shows anything, they love to make money uh, and they probably want another $2 billion out of this next movie. So why would you risk that by doing three hours just to do it? I think it shows that this is necessary. I mean, once you clip, you 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 jump into two forty five, two fifty territory. Mm-hmm. You basically you have you have zero incentive unless you jump. You're jumping back to two thirty right. to like stop short at three hours. Mm-hmm. Just be, I think because of like you know timetables and everything yeah. like that. Because you're not going to be able to fit one in regardless of that. But um, if you, possibly I think I can agree with you there. Um, in a lot of ways, like. Yes, as long as we don't, I mean, as long as it's like one story and not layers and layers of prologue. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to remember, though, even if this does clock in right at three hours, Return of the King um, just had those 20 minutes of prologue and everything right. like that as well. So 
like I mean, it wasn't just three hours; it was mm-hmm. closer to three thirty. And then, then man, the, the the extent of the dish, those things, just, <laughs> I, gosh, they are beasts. That's a four-hour film. Yeah, I know, nuts. Okay, anyway, so I would be I would be happier with that as long as it's Mission Impossible Fallout levels mm-hmm. of adrenaline Which and pacing. Well all the way through. The Russo brothers are certainly the people in the franchise movie universe who can do that at least as good as Christopher McQuarrie can. I'm just wondering if I'll be able to pay attention enough as yeah. a casual Marvel lover, mm-hmm. I guess. And a fan. A fan right. How about that? Um, so that's why the idea of an intermission. Yes is enticing to me really yes so okay so we're all completely opposite sides about the whole thing you want you only want a three-hour runtime basically if there's an intermission i would i need an intermission if it's three hours yes i do not want an intermission at all i don't care if this runtime is 17 hours really i don't i don't want it so, but, but before I get into why I don't, mm-hmm. why do you want one? Just to give yourself a, a breather, a bathroom break? Uh, All so- of those things. And then to be able to shut my mind off and think for a quick second about anything that's going on. Especially if we're going to be jumping 10 years into the future, five years into the mm-hmm. future, however long it's been, and having to reconcile whatever's gone on. And like, if it's going to be three hours, you're going to have a first half and a second half. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be completely four parts, a four part movie. Like, I always argue, there's like, there's not a three, not, there's not three acts, there's four acts. Mm-hmm. This will be absolutely four acts. There won't be any gray area with that. And so, when we get up and we get ready for that second half. We all need to catch our breaths. We need to know what's going to happen, and especially in something that's really going to be complex like this. It's for past fans and anyone that wants to pay attention in the future. You're going to have to make sure you stay clearly and show us exactly what's going on. And before we get to that, I mean, let's just take a minute. Mm-hmm. Hold on one dramatic note or one sad moment or one hopeful, optimistic look ahead, and then... Give us 10 minutes, 15, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you got to. If you're going to let people exit the theater, you got to have at least that much time. mm -hmm. Let me get a soda, refill my bucket of popcorn, and yeah, use the restroom and then sit right back down. That would be ideal. And it would also be in the tradition that they're already, they've already set up with the previous Avengers film. Where we just get a film by Anthony and Joe Russo. Mm-hmm. And the slow, melodic credits roll in a very somber attitude. So giving us an intermission would be in the best interest of that, like that traditional cinema approach. And then when you kick off the second half, whatever is packed inside of it. You can do that in the Marvel way of being energetic and fun near the end, and regardless of how it ends. Or you can... Just do it in that same classical style of being like Finn, the end, mm-hmm. for now, whatever the <laughs> case is. And then Spider-Man can knock off or kick off the next phase. Right. Because if this is Endgame, let's treat it like it. Mm-hmm. And Because if you're going to give, if you want us to pay attention to this and 
give it reverence, then let's treat the movie like something that's been in the tradition of cinema since, you know, Gone with the Wind had right. like, you know, it's, you know, massive runtime and intermission and all of those things. The last movie I recall having intermission is Hateful Eight, Quentin Tarantino's movie. Clocks in under three hours. Mm-hmm. I believe it's like 250. Um, and I think that works fine for that movie because, I mean, it just gives you a break from the insanity. But for Endgame, I don't want an intermission because... A, that would only add on another 15 minutes to a movie that could be three hours. We just call it three hours runtime, plus we're calling 20 minutes of previews, and we're calling a 15-minute admission. This is like four hours mm-hmm. of just total madness. And that, that could be fine, whatever. I don't really care about that um, other than like, oh, it, it decreases the opportunities for show times even more if you, show, if you have an intermission. But also, I know myself. I know uh, how Marvel fans think. I know how you know people in this uh, area tend to think about Marvel movies and, and how they watch them. Mm-hmm. And let's just say, like Endgame, like the plot is, you know, um, the Avengers are, you know, sad. They're you know disheartened over you know losing all these people. Ant Man shows back up, says, "Hey, time travel is possible." They say, "Okay, great, let's work on time travel," and then they figure out how to do time travel, possibly go on a mission and it fails. And that's the first hour and a half of the movie. And then we cut and there's an intermission mm-hmm. for the next 15 minutes. All I'm going to think about is, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen next is that I'm, I'm going to th- be theorizing mid movie about what's coming next. When instead, if there's no intermission and it just keeps going, I'm just like, all right, where they take me next. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be locked in. And if they, Give me a hard cut and say, all right, go refill your soda. Here's like some music or here's some jokes or behind the scene footage or whatever they would do to pass the time. Oh, it would uh, just be dark. Like I don't, but like even then I'm just going to be sitting there being like, uh, 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 it's like, what's, what's coming next? I don't want them to stop the momentum. Like if this movie's going to be a three hour epic, fast paced, you know, uh, this, this, we're not going to let you think we're not going to like, you're going to be on the edge of the sheet your entire time. Mm-hmm. Then don't give me a break in the middle, cut all that momentum and then ask me to jump back into it for the last hour and a half. Like, yeah, I think then I think that I think the issue is then you and I seem to have a fun, I mean, you know more about this movie than I could ever possibly <laughs> know. I have, I have, I'm not, I'm not sourced at all, but from what I feel like the beginning of this movie is not going to be, action heavy at all it's gonna be slow not i mean slow and as much as a you know a popular film could be you mm-hmm. know or you know a, a blockbuster can be yeah. and heavy and sad and somber all the way through until that man gives us that hey how the heck did he get to 1980 or right wherever he is possibly potentially mm-hmm. um uh with the archival footage or whatever that reference means and then we move forward or whatever. Maybe it's Tony Stark dropping down on the island after they've fixed the ship. And that's that scene that we got from the Super Bowl. Like, ad. like there are moments where you can just go, all right, everything that's happened, here's a pause before we kick things up. And then when you get your home theater, ver- when you get your home versions for Blu-ray and everything like that, it'll be stitched together. Right. Like any other kind of movie. And you can just roll from there. But if you're going to make this a f- like a, an experience in the theaters. If this is going to be Endgame that you want all these people to go through together, 
then pause at one moment before things become um, action heavy and interesting where you won't be able to theorize and then go forward. I mean, I agree with you that it's going to start off slow and somber and, but like Mm -hmm. they can only, it's not like that the first hour the movie is going to be that like it'll be like the first 20 30 minutes and then that's when amp because like you can only have you know show shots of cap crying or going to you know therapy groups or whatever for so long yeah before it's like all right well like what are we doing about this you know like tony stark has a day of oxygen left <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we can't let the, we can't sit on that for an hour what, right depending on when they introduce the idea that he has a day of oxygen left right but it's just like you know if like the movie starts and it's them getting on the ship and trying to make it work and, you know, everything. I just feel like there's so much that they have to accomplish in this movie. And if it does pace itself with it's a build to the uh, the epic, you know, reveal that, oh, we can time travel. This is how we're, we're going to do this. This is the inciting incident of how we can actually make this possible. Mm-hmm. Then I don't want them to go through all of that setup. And then, but all right, here's the key. We got it. And then like cut. And then like, all right, I got to wait 15 minutes just to figure out where we're going next. It's not going to be a hard cut. I mean, they're going to build it in. But I mean, it's a, it's a hard cut in some regard. I mean, it's not like it's going to be like cut off cap, you know, midway through a sentence. Right. But like, they'll be like, all right, and here we go. You know, the, 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 I don't know, like if it's like a a program or a code or whatever Mm -hmm. to travel. It's uploading, it's uploading 100%, cut. And now 15 minutes and we wait and, and figure the, it out. The portal would turn on. And then right. they all look at each other and then they'd jump in. And then fade to black. Instrumental overture. Right, then I just want to be like, no, I want to just like keep me going. And then when we come, when we land back in, it's 1940 Germany <laughs> and Cap is killing Nazis again or beating up Nazis again. Yeah. And you're like, what? Where are we? And it serves as, serves as sort of a... Like you, you throw him back in, and you you're disoriented a little bit again. You get to find your bearings, and then once you pick up on what happened when there are two Captain Americas on screen, or whatever the case yeah. is, you're you can figure out, you can intuit what went on. I, I just I think it's a good idea. I know that they won't do it because it's just too uh, it'd be too cool, it'd be too interesting, and too <laughs> on edge for oh Disney to gosh. even try. Not even the Russos could pull it off. Uh, but if they did, I would love it, and I think it would be great. All right, yeah, we yeah, we, we need to move on. This could have been a big question, I guess, by how we're talking about it. But uh, let's talk about The Kingsman, The Great Game. Uh, it is the prequel movie that's coming uh, in between Kingsman 2 and Kingsman 3 that's going to take place in World War One of this franchise. And uh, production began on it this, this week, and in response of that, the full cast was announced that included new additions of Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Gemma Arnton, Stanley Tucci, Tom Hollander, Jimon Hansu, and Robert Arameo. Uh, they joined the previously known cast members of Harris Dickinson, Ralph Fiennes, Rice Ephens, Charles Dance, Matthew Good, and Daniel Bruhl. So this cast, uh, obviously very uh, European heavy, and it's going for an international star pretty much. Um, but it's got some great names. It is a reunion between Matthew Vaughn and Aaron Taylor Johnson from their work from Kick-Ass. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge fan of Gim Martin, um, so I'm glad to see her get involved. And then Stanley Tucci is just the best. So uh, this cast is really shaping up really well. I want to know more about like the actual story, what their roles are, like the 
The one report described Jim Martin's role as the nanny, which I don't. I hope she's not like just a nanny, and I hope that's like a code name for something in the Kingsman, uh, so she can like you know kick butt and be cool instead of just like, oh, Harris Dickinson, where are you going? No, like, right. No, no, you don't get Jim Martin and like waste her in like a nanny role. Like give her something to do. So uh, this cast is awesome, and you know movie comes out in November, so it won't be a matter of time before we probably see something. Yeah, and um, if you listened to the big question last week, you'll know that we'd like. Aaron Taylor Johnson. That's so correct. he is the perfect jump, or first perfect add to this, this entire thing. Um, and it all but confirms that the World War II setting, um, that Daniel Bruhl is going to play some kind of stereotypical German. <laughs> Probably. So, you know, anyone who would hope that he would be stepping out um, of the traditional hole he's been kind of pigeoned in, too bad. But then again, it's Matthew Vaughn. We could, he's mm-hmm. known to change things up. He'll be a robotic Nazi. He could be a robotic be a Nazi. I mean, I don't know if they'd go as far as like trying to have like a good German soldier, <laughs> uh, have like an inside man, an undercover. I don't know. I don't know. The Kingsman franchise is wacky and insane, and I wouldn't put it past Matthew Vaughn to do anything mm-hmm. bizarre. But because, uh, yeah, I do. Kind of share that sentiment of like, give Dana Bruhl something else to do. Like, <laughs> don't keep He's the only German Germans. people we know. Basically. Uh, at least that's what Hollywood thinks, I guess. But, I mean, he is very talented and all the rest of this cast is as well. So. Absolutely. This is great. Now, if this was Tom Holland and not Tom Hollander. For a second, oof. when I read the initial, I'm like, what? Perfect. Great. I didn't know he was busy or wasn't busy. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay, the ER makes a difference. Yeah. No, I mean, Tom Hollander is great as well on his own. But, I mean, if they had like got Tom Holland to be like, the rival kid for Harris Dickinson. I mean, mm-hmm. if you can get Tom Holland in the movie, you're probably just make him the star, really. We, but. Just, we need to make sure we call him Thomas Hollander. That'll, that'll help distinct, uh, make the distinction a little bit easier. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so let's move on to a report from THR, where they revealed an Aquaman spinoff movie is in the work uh, that is going to be a horror-tinged movie based around the trench, the weird xenomorphic-like creatures that were in Aquaman for like five minutes total mm-hmm. screen time. Uh, they're getting their own movie. Somehow, some way, it is happening. James Wan is producing it. It is going to have a smaller budget than the typical superhero movie. Uh, and the script is going to be written by newcomers Noah Gardner and Aiden Fitzgerald. So uh, this was uh, a very interesting announcement to make. One that I think when you initially see it, you go, what the heck? <laughs> right. And then maybe you sit back on it and realize maybe there is some good to this. Is that possible, Josh? There is some good to this. Um, because when I initially saw this news, I was like, no, that's not right. What could be going on here? Or maybe I'm misreading the headline. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I clicked into it, I'm like, oh, no, this is even worse than I thought. And then I see horror tinged or shades of horror. And I think the ex- I don't know if I remember the exact Horror tinged was the quoting quote. in okay, THR, yes. Thank you. Um my attitude was like, oh, no, wait a minute. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. Then you read Smaller Budget. And then you read James Wan is producing. Then you read that, I don't know what else there is to read from that. <laughs> um, I'm not from, uh, too familiar with the screenwriters and their bodies of work. I don't think they've, they haven't made anything, I don't right, think. Right, but they were James, James. They were Bad Robot. Yes, J.J. Abrams. Yes, thank you. They were J.J. Abrams, uh, kind of like assistants or workers or Mm -hmm. collaborators. They learned from him and his company. And that gives it promise, Yeah, I think. I think J.J. Abrams kind of tangentially related this. Do with this, but with those, you know, know, uh, they're pestering a submarine 
or you know um crashing through some kind of scientific experiment water lab station Mm -hmm. or just like invading and yanking people into the water in like a period piece or something like that it would be epic it would be awesome and i would so be here for it yeah so i mean what like when this news is announced for me at least i'm Mm -hmm. just like take us there oh no warner brothers Walter Hamada, you were doing so good. <laughs> You're you were, you know, moving forward with the, you got your new Batman movies moving forward. Mm-hmm. James Gunn's doing Suicide Squad. There's talks of Blue Beetle and Supergirl and Batgirl and all these like positive movements. And then you say, But the trench You know, those people you love in Aquaman? Mm-hmm. No, not Black Manta, no, not Mira. Like not trench creatures who can't talk. They have no personality. They're just these hive minded beasts. Just because it's called The Trench or it's a trench spinoff movie doesn't mean they're the main characters, mm-hmm. which I think there's a movie. It's just going to be called The Trench yeah. because they're the threats or that's the location of the movie and the story. And the, the trench are probably after them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my initial thought was like, oh, this could be like a shipwreck where, you know, some random sailors that crash on an island nearby and then the trench like find out about it and they go to like, eat them. And it's like the kind of Jaws-ish mixed with like, uh, you know, a castaway, and then you also get like alien vibes or something. And yeah. It's just like, okay, that mm-hmm. could be really awesome. Um, and it, it seems like that could be potentially where they're going. I mean, you mentioned that uh, the writers, uh, Noah Gardner and Aiden Fitzgerald, had a connection with Bad Robot. And they actually previously wrote a script that Bad Robot purchased called The Volos. And now, The Volos, Ooh. there's no new, there's not really anything known about this movie other than Variety said that it was described as a submarine thriller. So, uh-huh. the people are thinking that similar to how, you know, this movie may have been bought by JJ Abrams and Bad Robot originally maybe be a Cloverfield movie is Warner Brothers doing a Cloverfield, you know, move with the DC universe, mm-hmm. bringing in a script that was not developed for DC, but they're like, "Hey, we could do this and set this this regular story in a comic book world mm-hmm. and go from there. And yeah. so if that's the case, I mean, you, you called a submarine, you know, invasion, basically that seems like it's at least the most likely scenario that the trench is going to be somehow a submarine movie where the trench are trying to invade the submarine and mm-hmm. kill the people on board. Yeah. I mean like they would be able to get in easily, but you could basically make it alien, mm-hmm. but in a submarine. I think you just it's, have to I think it's figure out a way said. for it not to sink. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> However he gets in, I mean, because it's a pressurized container, right. uh, would be tricky. But how big would that be? I mean, you could go like uh, that Disney Atlantis route, and it's actually a massive ship that's mm-hmm. like exploring the ocean. It'll start like Gerard Butler or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, that. <laughs> okay, we don't want to play into stereotypes too much here. But yeah, sort of go along with the attitude that that other DC comedy show tried to run with where you have just one thing set in a superhero universe mm-hmm. it starred vanessa hudgens I don't oh remember. um not doing patrol that's the new one's coming out uh, normal people or something yeah, like that i can't remember what it's called it's something like that and so that idea is really cool and i would love to see warner brothers james Wan with at the helm of it too run with that idea and turn it into something because I believe the potential's there, and I think that the the trench dwellers, whatever they're called, I think they're just called trench, the trench. Yeah, I feel like they have a name though, don't they? I don't know. Okay, whatever. Um, are perfect monsters for mm-hmm. any kind of movie. And the show is called Powerless. Oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, so I think 
after my initial skepticism going, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> you know, this could be one of those other moves that DC is doing that is trying to separate itself from Marvel, but also just expand the superhero movie genre. Because if this move, this movie is said to currently not feature any Aquaman characters. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be a, all right, the trench are invading a submarine. And then last second, Aquaman shows up and, you know, shows the trident. And he's like, all right, stop it. And they're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they just went away. They're like, that's not what this movie is going to be. Sorry, Mr. Aquaman. Uh, like, but instead, this is a chance for them to really expand the horizons of comic book movie genre. Give us a horror movie that doesn't involve any of the character, any superheroes, any just the weird random villains. It'd be like if Marvel came out and announced we're doing a Chitari movie where they invade like another planet <laughs> or something, or like try to you know take over a ship that's in space and like, just yeah. some random passengers have to fend them off. Like that's basically the idea here. But this time the trench could like you can show more of them and maybe make mm-hmm. them a bigger threat potentially for yeah. Aquaman 2 or whatever it may be. And build up a surface dweller lore right. of the place. And then like, you know, maybe Aquaman doesn't save them, but maybe Mira does. Or like, you know, even though that's not currently part of the plan, like that plan can obviously change, especially after Aquaman makes a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And if you can get Jason Momoa in there for a last second, like he comes in like a second too late. And yeah. They're like, they just kill the final trench person and then, Everybody's being like, oh my gosh, we did it. Mm-hmm. We, we made it out alive. And then Aquaman shows up. It's like, all right, where are they at? It's yeah. Like, no. We needed you like no, yeah. 20 minutes ago, where man. Were, yeah, where were you an hour ago? <laughs> and like, I could see them doing something like that and then be like, oh, but now Aquaman has met this random group of submariners. And one of them is somehow involved with like human relations on, mm-hmm. on Earth. And like, you know, it like helps create like bonds and ties and like can expand the universe in some ways. Like, it'd be a little disappointing if the trench is just a monster movie that has no, like that doesn't help set up anything or give you any sort of expansion of DC. It would be a disappointment. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's I would love like, it. If I they mean, did that. I mean, I understand the appeal of it, but like, there's also like, you're going to make a trench movie, but you're not gonna make man of steel too. You're making a trench movie, but you're not going to make green lantern. Like, yeah, <laughs> but also the man of steel has negative impressions in people's mind. And the trench will be billed as, oh, here's just a movie where monsters from Aquaman, you know, capture people and then eat them, eat their faces off and yeah. then go back into the water or whatever the case is, you know, on a island village mm-hmm. or wherever. So, or in a submarine. Yeah. I mean, who knows? But let's move on to Ticket or Skip It. Uh, we have a bunch of, you know, trailers and teasers and Super Bowl TV spots to get into. Uh, only one of them get our ticket, though. And the competition this week is the second teaser for us, the Super Bowl TV spot for Avengers Endgame, the Super Bowl TV spot for Toy Story 4, the second trailer for Missing Link, the first trailer for Shaft, uh, the second trailer for Pet Cemetery, and the teaser trailer for Child's Play, the reboot version. Which one is getting your ticket this week, Josh? I am going to go ahead and give it to Pet Cemetery. I It's one of the few Stephen King novels I've read. And Jason Clark is leading, like making this movie look really good, like better than I think it has a right to be, because mm-hmm. um, it looks kitschy and not at all deserving of a theatrical release. Like it would be, <laughs> it looks, it had, it had initially felt like and sounded like it was going to be a project that got sold off to Netflix at the last moment, like the entire right. way through. But no, I am all about this and just ever all of the story details that it lobbed on me. Um, I mean, they're doing some different twists 
but I re- they're going for it in a way that's true to the book as far as I can remember mm-hmm. and tripling down on not so much the, oh, the pets are coming back to life and people come back to life to elements, but just the entire aesthetic around the the pet cemetery and they're kind of like tossing in satanic elements mm-hmm. and all of these things that make it more interesting. And so, yeah, I am totally here for it. And then also like Clark's acting his butt off, like with <laughs> the grief of his daughter. And that's like those emotional moments get left out of a lot of early adaptions of things like that. And when they focus on those, you get a stronger story mm-hmm. because you start to feel empathetic. And then when it turns to disaster and horror, you're caught up in it. Yeah. I mean, I could give my ticket to the Avengers Endgame Super Bowl spot. Stay mm-hmm. on brand, but I've already given sure. it my ticket. I'll give it the ticket again when we get a second trailer. Uh, actually, I guess I didn't give it a ticket because we didn't. We removed it, I think, from the ticket or skip it section. We the gave first time. it. Yeah, we gave it from billing. On yeah. Topic. <laughs> so, That's right. Um, but instead of doing that, I will also give my ticket to the Pet Cemetery um, because honestly, a lot of these trailers week just didn't really impress me. Like, mm-hmm. I think the Pet Cemetery is one is, is pretty is really good, okay. but it's not like it blew me away either. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it did inspire me to finally re- to watch the original version of the movie yeah uh currently on amazon prime so if you want to watch it it is instantly available if you have prime um and this new take is definitely new it's updated the effects look a lot better than <laughs> the one that came out in like the 60s which certainly looks dated or maybe it was the 80s i don't remember um and this one looks like i mean it looks creepy and it's got the thriller vibes but then also there's a twist on the story that is very different from the book from the original movie where i mean it's not a spoiler to say it because it's right there in the trailer um that instead of the uh the boy kid being the one who dies and be brought back to life in this new version it is the girl um so i'm interested to see why they made that that decision if it was just to distinguish itself from the previous movie or from the book or if there's some larger reason why they went in, in the older kid to be involved or specifically the girl. Um, I'm very interested to see if that is in any way tied to what they do in this movie. But um, I mean, yeah, it looks, it looks good. It looks creepy. Um, they're definitely going for some of the more memorable moments from that first movie and trying to do their own twist on it. And the practical effects of the girl breaking her back and like with scoliosis and all that stuff like that looks sick and, like in a good way and a bad way. Uh, so I, yeah, I mean, it comes out beginning of April. So, uh, looking forward to it. It's going to be a perfect. Yeah. Um, kickoff to spring. Yeah. In summer. So then let's move on to the flyby starting with Taika Didi saying he is not going to direct gardens of the galaxy volume three. He said this at the TCAs, which is the television critics, uh, association, uh, ceremonies that go on every winter, fall, spring, and I think summer as well. So, uh, he said that he's not going to do guardians three because basically it would be weird for him to go and direct a James Gunn movie because it'd be like going and walking into a house and saying, I'm the new dad. This is how we make PB and J now, because <laughs> you know, that, that is, that this mm-hmm. is not how Taika Waititi would make the movie. And it'd just be a little, maybe disrespectful, uh, to James to do it. So he's not going to do this. But he does say that he is still talking about studios about doing something else. So I'm a little bummed that he's not going to do Guardians 3, but I completely understand why he's not going to do it. I'm not totally surprised he's not going to do it because him and James did seem pretty close. And even though you'd think, oh, their tones fit really well, it would work really well for Guardians 3 if Tyke would would just do it. Um, I I get why he would rather do his own thing and just not step on James' toes. Yeah, it's the, um, like, it takes a brave person to come in where someone's laid out so much work mm-hmm. 
And like, I mean, yeah, that's exactly, I mean, that that's a quintessential Taika quote. I yeah. mean, when you're describing um, what this is probably going to be like. And eventually they'll find somebody who's courageous enough and gets James Gunn's blessing to take over the project because he's not coming back at this point. I mean, the, no, and if the, he, suicide, yeah. the, the Suicide Squad announcement um, is the final nail in that coffin. Yeah, I mean, if he was going to come back, they'd have to wait until that movie's coming out in late 2021. So mm. you're talking about waiting until 2023 to get this movie in theaters? Which yeah. It's at the very least a year too late mm-hmm. from what I think Marvel wants to do. So Right. So unless like um, Sean Gunn steps up and like directs, mm-hmm. they're going to have a, a wild time to find someone to replace. Yeah, I mean, like I don't think... Chris Presser would direct anything, but like, mm-hmm. or Zoe Saldana has, but like, I feel like a cast member would probably be like the best person. Like, I've seen people suggest Bradley Cooper, but like, yes, he's involved in those movies, but he's not on sets. So he doesn't even get the vibe. <laughs> right. Like, he's just doing voiceovers. So, um, and I don't think, I mean, maybe he would just do a Marvel movie to be like, all right, screw you, Oscars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're going to shun me and my movie out of every war, basically, probably in a month. So, I'm going to go do the biggest movie possible. Um, but yeah, I think. This just is an interesting possible uh, you know situation because we don't know if anybody will be willing to take on. I mean, somebody will eventually, but right. it's just like it's it's gonna be that odd situation of all right, I have to direct a James Gunn movie like James Gunn would do it with James Gunn's script, with James Gunn's cast, and do it that way. Yeah, so. I mean, in, in anyone who comes around, I mean, it's basically gonna end up being basically like a, a placeholder for right. James Gunn reviewing dailies and things like that, giving notes. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. that'll be the I feel like that'll be the ultimate compromise is where they're just like, okay, you, you're a producer, but we need someone to push nah. play or push record. I mean, he'll be a producer, I think, just because of everything he set up before and his work on the project and everything. But if if you're having James Gunn review the edit and dailies, like, no, just like get him back. Like that is so petty of Disney that like you got to yeah, you just have to. Just do it. I mean, what was his payout? Fifteen million? I don't know. I mean, it's never reported. Yeah, whatever his payout was was far far from petty. So, uh, and it's business, and it'll be a five hundred million, six hundred million dollar movie again. So, or probably oh, more at than least, that, yeah. Right? So, unless it's terrible, and if it is, then it's that new person's fault. Which is a why exactly you want kind of. And if it, and if it's great, then that person gets no credit, and it's just oh well, it's just because James Gunn's script. So, uh, that was a long first segment of the flyby. <laughs> Moving on to World War Z two is dead uh the playlist revealed this information this past week that paramount has pulled the plug on the movie despite having david fincher on board to direct despite the movie gearing up to start filming in a couple of months potentially um it's gone it's dead brad pitt's not happy apparently uh can't blame him and this movie is uh probably never gonna happen so who's oh well who's to say why but it seems budgetary reasons probably that's well, that's the report the david fincher david fincher does a lot of the, oh, okay whatever <laughs> Now all we know is that, you know... He's free to do the good projects. He's free to do whatever he wants, uh, even though this movie, you know, ended up, you know, probably keeping him from other projects over the last three years he's been attached. So uh, we also got one straight from Becca Ferguson that she is going to be back for future Mission Impossible movies, basically confirming that Isla Faust will be back for Mission Impossible 7, probably Mission Impossible 8 as well. Um, So that's great news because she's obviously a great character. She's set up really well in Fallout. And her and Hunt should have a pretty interesting relationship moving forward. Absolutely agree tenfold on that. So then we also have word from Netflix that they bought Zac Efron Ted Bundy biopic called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. They'll release it late this year, hope including a limited theatrical release making it eligible for the Oscars. Josh, 
you were excited for this movie at one point. Are you still now? I now was, that it's at Netflix it was ex- and it's maybe an awards contender? I was excited for this movie. I was disappointed with this movie, the first trailer, and then the, the reviews came out. I'm like, don't worry about the trailer that made him look like a, a rock pop star idol. Um, and yeah, so this is interesting. I don't know if the awards friendly release is going to do it any good. It'll probably, I mean, or it could end up being Green Book. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think. Um, I think it's a futile effort to put it out in November, but I am interested in seeing it now. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, a smart move by Netflix. I mean, they, they're having success with the award season right now. So mm-hmm. if, if if anything, it's just Zac Efron's performance, which seems to be the best part of the movie by the early reactions and reviews, then maybe he can get a Best Oscar nomination for Best Actor, and that's good enough for Netflix. So they paid yeah. $9 million for it, so... It's, I mean, it's not too bad. No, um, it's pretty cheap buy for them, actually. Yeah. Then we also got word from Collider uh, that Scott Teams is set to write the script for the Halloween 2018 sequel, uh, and that Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, and Andy Matichek are all expected to return. So we were both fans of the new Halloween movie. Now it's got screenwriters mm-hmm. moving forward, it looks like, with the sequel. Cool. I don't really, I'm not like super excited, but like, okay. It's just like we have nothing else to go it may, on it until makes the trailer. Sense. I can't. I, Cannot wait, though. Uh, then we also got word from THR that uh, the four young cast members of Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, Sir Darius Blaine, Nat Wolf, Madison Eisman, and Morgan Turner are all going to be back for the sequel. And then Deadline confirmed that Nick Jonas is going to be back as well. So this cast continues to really, really grow. And uh, it is uh, not surprising, but it's just like, I don't know where this movie is going anymore. I thought I had a pitch. I thought it was a good pitch, and now... I'm not so sure. And it's Alex Wolf, not Nat Wolf. Sorry. Hmm. Interesting. Still haven't seen Welcome to the Jungle. <sighs> you got to get on that. But some news I, I think will get you excited is that Variety reported that Anya Taylor-Joy is be, is going to officially star in Edgar Wright's next movie, The Last Night in Soho. Something we kind of talked about briefly before, but now it's like actually going to happen. So Yes, it's going to happen. We have a title for it now. And the rumored casting of Anya Taylor-Joy was correct. Yes. So... So yeah, three I'm, for three. <laughs> Iron Taylor is great, so I'm happy to see her and Wright working together in like a horror movie. So that should be fun. Uh, and then lastly, the Avatar sequels announced that Eddie Falco has joined the cast as General Ardmore, the commander in charge of the RDA's interests. Um, and the reason her ad- addition is just being now known is because they've only filmed the CGI portions of the movie so far, and now they're gearing up to do the live action parts. So that's why she's just not joining the cast. She's you know, from Nurse Jackie, The Sopranos, a bunch of other TV stuff before. So, good addition. Yeah. Um, I remember her specifically from Nurse Jackie, like two episodes. Um, and she's great. All right. Um, that is all we have for this episode, though. Um, next week, we'll be back with a review of either Happy Death Day to You or Alita Battle Angel. And we'll also be back this week with a big question talking about what is Avengers Endgame's most important goal. So, a potentially loaded question there. Maybe it's supposed to be under three hours. That's that's, that's the biggest goal maybe for Josh. We're having an intermission if it's going to be over three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get into all those details in the big question. It's going to drop on Wednesday as usual. But in the meantime, be sure to tell us your thoughts on anything covered by Tweets from this film. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at, at MovieCooper. And you can get at me, Josh, and just Josh and Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, our team is going to say five star review with comments. Tell us why you enjoy listening to the show. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends Film Podcast. Josh. Thank you for stopping in, everybody. And we sure to turn next week for our future episodes.